0: So let's get down to business with another episode of Start a Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io.
1: And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Start a Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I have to tell you about today's episode, sponsor friends. Today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Double. Double is a flexible assistant service for busy executives that matches you with an experienced assistant. Double handles all of the upfront, time-consuming items such as interviewing, matching, onboarding, invoicing, training, all of those things that most of us just just hate doing. So go to withdouble.com today and get 50% off your first month when you sign up with the code HUSTLE22. Now, friends, today we have with us a guest who is all about optimization. Uh, We had some fun. We definitely had some fun on the pre-show prep, so I'm really, really excited to talk to Jennifer Smith. Jennifer is CEO and co-founder of Scribe. Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and hop right into it. I'm just going to ask you, hey, Jennifer, tell us
0: about your journey. So I run a a company uh, based in Silicon Valley called Scribe. We are a software tool that makes it really easy to capture and share what you know how to do. So very tactically, we run a a browser uh, extension and and a desktop application. You hit the record button, you do your magical process. When you're done, you hit stop record and we will auto-generate a step-by-step written guide with screenshots automatically showing how to do that process. Uh, I, I share that as context because now I'll kind of go back about yeah, how I well, get here. So, really, really
1: quickly, like, are you basically the dream product for people who are trying to establish SOPs for their organization? Bingo. You, you just oh, said oh my
0: the gosh, bingo word. I love that, SOPs, right. We're documentation. Talk about that later, but, but let's hear about your journey. <laughs> if you If you've ever copy pasted screenshots into a document and uh, tried to send it to someone, we should talk because there's no reason anyone should be doing that anymore. It's quite painful. Um so i I grew up uh, in an immigrant family. didn't know um anyone who was a founder or working in technology at all would have never dreamed that that I'd be doing what I'm doing today. Went to college uh, and sort of said, well, gosh, I should probably get the the best job that I possibly can. And um, I had a a bunch of management consultants came and and recruited on campus and I met a bunch of people at this firm called McKinsey and they seemed really smart and curious about the world. And so I joined them, moved to Washington, D.C., had never even been to Washington, D.C. until I I showed up on the the first day for my job. Um, and, and did that for a while. I, I went to business school in between, not frankly out of any deep curiosity about business school, but because I was kind of burnt out at the time and they paid for it. So uh, went to Harvard for a bit and then went back to consulting afterwards. But you know, while I was in business school, I had met um, some interesting people who were uh, you know, working in tech or who had founded companies before. And I just looked at them and said, you seem different and special from everyone else and you feel like my tribe. Like there's something about this that feels right.
1: Well, wait, so, a, minute, wait a minute. So really quickly, I'm gonna ask you to drill down on that. Like, what do you think it was that just attracted you? Right. Was it the entrepreneurial mindset? Was it the the innovation bent? What what were you thinking there?
0: They had a different look in their eye <laughs> and a different oh, fire gosh. in their belly. <laughs> it it sounds maybe cheesy, but I just I felt like they were wired in a different way and motivated in a different way and were. They just were more passionate and excited about what they were doing, what they were building, why it mattered um, in, you know, a way that, that sort of I didn't see in, in my other classmates. And, um, you know, sometimes you just sort of feel an affinity and a draw to things and, um, I, I certainly felt it every time I met someone who you know had founded a company or, or been part of of you know building an, an early stage company. and so you get this gut feel of you know I, I think that's where my my tribe of people is. like this sure. feels more like me. I was in my my mid 20s at the time, and so you know you're searching for your identity, right Who, who am I? like what, you what, what, find what yourself
1: And you found yourself surrounded by amazing people.
0: Yeah. And and they lived disproportionately in San Francisco. And so I called McKinsey up and I said, hey, can I transfer to San Francisco? And to their credit, they called me back in three hours and said, sure. And so I came out to San Francisco uh, for only the second time in my life. I'd, I'd been here once before for a brief 48-hour trip and that was it. Um, and Upton moved out here and said, okay, I'm going to make a life here. I, I I think this is my place. And um, that was 10, 15 years ago now. And uh, it's it's become not only my home, but um, it sort of feels like my spiritual place because I I just met a lot of really interesting people who were all building, investing in early stage technology, and who had that crazy look in their eye and the, and the fire in their belly. And so I ended up going to a um, uh, an early stage venture capital firm, I guess, just to, to get more of this. And um, I was there for a few years on on the enterprise software side and. That really, I think, stoked my interest. Just seeing so many founders who were building things that they were really passionate about, and even if I didn't share their passion, right, for you know, distributed yeah. storage or whatever it is, there's something about that that's quite contagious.
1: Absolutely, and I, I think that for me, it, at any rate, and one of the things that we talk a lot about around startup hustle is the fact that that entrepreneurial mindset is what what attracts us. Like entrepreneurs are above all problem solvers, but they're also they also tend to be very passionate and they tend to be very creative and resourceful. And being around that can be really exhilarating, right? It's contagious. Absolutely. And honestly, you you I love that you just said contagious, because I, I believe that as well. I, I know that, you know, the people that I surround myself with, I I find myself inspired by them. And they they make me stronger and they make me better as an entrepreneur and as a human being. Uh, and and I mean, it's a really it's a beautiful ecosystem that you can exist within when you can find people, a, a group of people who are that committed to a purpose, whatever that purpose is. I don't care if it's making printers. Like, I mean, it just as you said, like it doesn't matter what your specific tactic is. You have to have that fire, that entrepreneurial fire in, within you. So I, I love that you found that and you were able to attract that to you. Now tell us a little bit about Scribe.
0: So I had a professor in business school who said, find the thing you're constantly apologizing for about yourself and find a way to get paid for it. And at the time I sort of said, oh, that, that sounds cute and uh, filed away in, in my mind and forgot about it. Um, but I kept coming back to this problem that was really nagging me, which is, you know, when I was in consulting and and even, you know, when I was investing in companies, um, I'd spent a lot of my time looking at how people were building their processes and we find that there was so much inefficiency in, in what they were trying to do. There's so much reinventing the wheel. There's so much manual effort that's happening. And I spent a lot of my time when I was in um, in venture capital talking to buyers of enterprise software. So not just working with founders, but like talking to their customers and trying to understand, okay, these founders are really passionate about this problem. Like you're buying their software. Why, why are you passionate about this problem? What does this look like from your side? And I kept hearing from people over and over again you know i have all of this knowledge my team has all of this knowledge my company has all of this knowledge and right now it all just lives in people's heads and we spend a lot of time trying to teach each other what we figured out how to do right, right. whether i'm a a manager, like trying to train up my team, or whether I'm a solopreneur and I've got some virtual assistants that I have to show how to do something, or or whether you know I'm I'm have clients and I got to show them how to use this great software that I've built. Yeah, I spend a lot of my time just trying to explain people how to do things, and to me that just felt like such a massive waste of time and and reinvention of the wheel. Because the thing that's really special is that. People everywhere every day are innovating and finding better ways to do something, really great, interesting ways to, to use technology, to, to build their business, whatever it is they're trying to do. And yet they're spending a whole bunch of their time then trying to train other people on that exact thing, same thing, right? And, and sometimes maybe yeah. they don't even do it. And I, I looked at that and I was like, this feels like such an obvious problem hiding in plain sight. The only reason we tolerate this is just because we assume there's no other better way, right? I mean, right. McKinsey released a study that said, I mean, of course I have this idea. <laughs> that, that's not to be a stereotype here, but um, you know, that I, I'll share just because it I was really impactful for me. Um Uh, the average knowledge worker spends 20% of their week just trying to share info with others or get info themselves on how to do their jobs. Oh my gosh. (laughs) One out of every five
1: hours. I'm going to, so I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, tell you something and I, and then I'm going to, I'm going to bring in an analogy or I guess a metaphor. So, in a previous life, um, I worked for a an IT consulting firm, and mm-hmm. one of my jobs what it was it was a relatively new company, and one of my jobs was to create SOPs. And so I had like this template. But the thing, how, is, how did you feel about that job? I well, so I I loved certain aspects of that job, but the SOP piece was definitely not my favorite because it was it was it was monotonous. You know, Painful,
0: right?
1: I so the 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 metaphor that I'm going to bring in is the peanut peanut butter and jelly metaphor. And I'm sure that you've probably heard this, but for our listeners who haven't heard it, uh, often when you're taking a speaking course or something like that, they'll bring in the the peanut butter and jelly story, and they ask you, explain how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And most people, when they hear that, they think to themselves, oh, okay, you slap some peanut butter and you slap some jelly on pieces of bread and you mash it together and then you're done. But the fact is there are actually a lot more steps. If you're explaining something to someone who has no context and no prior knowledge of what you're trying to explain, you have to get really granular with it. And you have to be like, so first you walk to the fridge, you open the fridge, you reach into the fridge and you get the, get out the jar of jelly. And then you put that on the counter. And so it, it's much more, um, specific when you're, when you're really trying to explain something to somebody. And it's, that was always kind of an eye opener to me because I had to do the peanut butter and jelly exercise. Have you ever heard of this,
0: Jennifer? I remember doing it in school. Yes. And so- they would have, they would, they would have you write out the instructions and then they would have someone else, um, read your instructions and do them literally.
1: Yeah. And, and there
0: and was never a real peanut like- butter and if no one ever me, makes up or makes a real peanut to- butter and jelly sandwich
1: yeah, you ended up with like half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich if you were really, really lucky, maybe. And because because there's so much more that goes into it. And that's how I always felt when I was writing these standard operating procedures for this organization. I was like, there's just so much more. And you always have to link back and track back and find different policies that relate to the policy that you're writing up and, and all of this stuff. And so it was just a very, it was a, a much more complex process than you might think. But the fact is, You have to think, what happens if I get hit by a bus tomorrow and I can't come into work? All of my institutional knowledge, all of my job-specific knowledge, that's gone unless I have shared it with someone else. And so that's what Scribe is designed to do, right? To, To share that knowledge in an easy and accessible way. Is what I'm That's getting
0: exactly it? Yeah, and and we said, well, you like you did the hard and that the hard part was understanding what the steps are, right, and learning that process. And we said, well, what if we could just watch you do what you autom- you already know how to do? Like, what yeah. if we watch you do the thing you're an expert on, and then technology should just automatically create that documentation. What if it just became like digital exhaust, just a byproduct of you doing the work you'd be doing anyways? And so it's all about how do we make sure that you spend your time? It's important you share what you know how to do, but what if you just spend your time doing the things you know how to do and it becomes easy and automatic to be able to teach other people how to do that? Yeah, Don't take time away from your job. And I can't even imagine the implications here, like how much
1: easier would it be to cross train someone, you know, or, or prepare someone for a promotion or, you know, wh- whatever it is like I, I, I would love to hear and, and hopefully you, you have some kind of in your back pocket, but can you share with us some really good
0: use cases there's a number of them. I mean, one of the things that's most interesting to me about Scribe is it's it's such a horizontal tool and it's used by so many people. I mean, literally everything from, you know, uh, emerging tech startups to some of the biggest banks in the world to like literally your local plumber um, who you don't think of as having processes, but they've got a team that's probably trying to do, you know, some, some finances and their QuickBooks or whatever it might be. And so we'll see people who have to train their clients on how to do something. Let's say the accountant for that plumber, right? You know, has to show the plumber and, the, and their team, hey, here's how you do your books. Here's how you enter things in, in QuickBooks. Here's what this looks like. And so any of that kind of client enablement, um, it sounds a bit of like what you were doing in IT consulting, right? Of, yeah. of like, you've got to show someone how to do some process. Um, to uh, to people who are, you know, onboarding others on their team. We see a lot of kind of early stage scaling companies that are trying to move really quickly. And anytime I hear someone say, I don't have time to train someone on this. I can't hire more people. I can't hire an assistant because, you know, I don't have time to do this. I'm like, that's an obvious cry for help that you need to have oh, yeah. more of that help. You need to be hiring those people. But you can relate to that feeling, right, where you say, gosh, well, if it's going to take me so long of sitting next to someone and having them look over my shoulder or I have to hop on a Zoom with them and show them, you know, here's what you do, here's what our processes look like, you can understand that feeling, right? And so one of the things that's really cool with Scribe is we'll see people say like, gosh, I was able to get so much more time back. Because you know, not only did I not have to create this documentation or hop on the Zoom to answer those questions, but but now those people could go do that work, right? And it, it didn't have to be me. Like now my team can do it or now my client can self-serve on it. And they're not calling me with questions and actually they're much happier now, right? It's it's I've delivered both better customer service and I saved myself a bunch of time and headache.
1: Yeah. I, I love that so much. And I, I groaned, actually, when you said, I don't have time. Because I've literally said those words myself. We all have. It is. Like, it's, so much, it, it's faster, more efficient for me to do it myself. In the short term, though, that's the thing. it's In the short term, it's much more efficient. But in the long term, you bring about more efficiency by having more people who are capable of doing the work that you're doing. Uh, and, and and honestly, I, I think of it as a, a professional development tool, like teaching your employees new skills that's a way to make them feel valued and a way to make them see that there is a path of progression a path of succession you know how can i advance in my career well i can learn new things and i can take on new responsibilities and so so you're making things so much easier for, for teams to operate well and to operate efficiently in the long term. And I love that.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. And there's the, there's the expert story as well, right? So it's not just I I can learn more, but if you're an expert on your team and everyone is an expert in something, right? Should, That's why you're on the team. They, you know how to do team, something probably. special. <laughs> exactly. And so you should now be able to share the best of what you know how to do with everyone else. Like what if everyone on a team had access to the best of what everyone else knew how to do. Yeah. Like, could you operate so much better individually and together? And we don't do that right now because you'd have to take a ton of time to sit and show someone how to do something. But but that's a limiting belief in a world where we don't have the technology to do it. And so one of the really interesting, I think, challenges for us we think about as a company is... You know, we, we have to fight the status quo where people are just used to saying, well, oh, I, I'm not going to take the time, right? I don't have the time. And then and we have to say, well, it's literally going to take you 56 seconds. We clock it. The average scribe takes 56 seconds. What would you do if it took you 56 seconds to be able to teach someone on your team or teach a client how to do something? Like how much more could you teach them? How much of an impact and a, a lever would that be for you? And then you sort of see the lights go on in someone's head and they go, oh gosh, well, if it's, if it's only 56 seconds, then, well, yeah, I guess I imagine I could do this and this and this, but no one had ever thought about it before because they just assumed that, you know, it's, it's a problem and and I'm not going to solve it. Right. Well, so, so let me
1: ask you this. What, what do you think empowered you, uh, on the optimization piece? Cause, cause really you're, you're helping to optimize teams and, and, that is, it's so crucial for entrepreneurs, particularly early stage entrepreneurs. Like we have to figure out how to do things more quickly with fewer resources. Uh, and, and your scribe feeds right into that. What, But what spoke to you about that optimization piece, that, that quick and efficient sharing of
0: knowledge? I think there's, there's, a, there's a, a negative side and a positive side to it. So that the negative side is that I just absolutely hate wasting time. It's, it's like a big... Pet peeve of mine. Um, I, if you were to ask my husband, uh, he he might actually complain about this. (laughs) If you were to ask my husband, one of his pet peeves about me, he'd probably say that I'm always trying to optimize things. I'm always trying to figure out what's the most efficient way. Right? Like I have to run errands, I will map out what's the most efficient route for those errands. I'm, I'm just always have always been this way. Um, I think it's just the way that I'm wired. I'm just really obsessed with. We have a limited amount of time, you know, in, in our lives and how do we make the most of it and how do we spend the least amount of time on things that aren't the core of what we love to do, the things that give us joy, bring us energy or, or our unique talents and, and all of that good stuff. And so yeah. the, the negative side of it to me is almost like this, this uh, itch I have to scratch of just like being obsessed with efficiency and and optimizing processes and and the way that things get done. Um The the positive side of it is, you know, I I hit a point in my life where I kind of took a step back from what I've been doing and I I asked myself, sounds a little cheesy, but like what what matters most to me? What what do I want to be doing in my career? What do I want to be spending my time on? What what would I be really proud of at the end of my career to be able to, to point to and say, like, I did that or I I tried to do that. And to me, that was two things. One, building building something or being part of building something that endured beyond me. And two was something that I felt would have a force multiplier in the world. And when I look at 20% of knowledge workers' time, there are hundreds of millions, billions of knowledge workers in the world who yeah. are spending one day out of five days doing things that don't bring them very much value individually they're hugely valuable in the aggregate but in that particular moment when you're writing that sop as an it consultant probably didn't feel super valuable yeah. right it's not energizing work and it's it's yeah. not like special sauce human work right like the special sauce human is the stuff you know how to do it's not sitting there and cataloging it for other people and so I got really inspired by this idea of like, if I could give back, even if we don't do all of it, even if we're not successful in banishing, you know, the full day a week that you spend, what, what if I could give you a few hours of every week back? Right. What if I could do that across every knowledge worker on the planet? I get goosebumps as I say it. Like that to me is just a very motivating and energizing mission that also fits with just sort of like my personality. Maybe you could call it a personality defect even of, of like yeah. really caring about optimizing.
1: Well, wow, I, I I love that, and as someone who is is efficiency driven myself, I my soul is kind of recognizing you right now. Like I imagine that your husband might bitch about your your need to optimize, but the fact is, I bet he loves it when you do things that are like when you take a trip or something like that. Figuring out to out how to have the most efficient, streamlined experience—that's not a bad thing. So I'm going to push back on your hubby just a little bit.
0: He's definitely a beneficiary. He's a good sport about it, and he's definitely a beneficiary <laughs> of it.
1: <laughs> I love it. Well, so let me let me ask you this: just a just a quick little question. As someone who
0: loves efficiency and optimizing things, you wouldn't happen to have an assistant, would you, Jennifer? I um most radically delicate so many things in my life, but I don't have a generic assistant. I okay. have very specific assistance for all different kinds of tasks.
1: Well, I gotta tell you, I feel as though our episode sponsors today, they might be able to help you out. As a reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Double. They are experts in pairing founders with remote executive assistants you can trust. Startup Hustle listeners can go to withdouble.com, use code HUSTLE22 and unlock 50% off your first month, or you can just click on the link in the show notes. Everyone needs a great assistant. I, I, oh gosh, when, when I get help with, with the work that I do, it's like, it's such a game changer for me. It removes all of those things that are just annoyances that I don't want to focus on, and I get to focus on the things that I love. We love double Assistance. Definitely check them out at withdouble.com. Now, Jennifer, my friend, talk to us about optimization. I am very, very... I'm very curious. And one of the things that I love to do on my Start Apostle episodes is give our listeners actionable advice or yeah, actionable advice that they can implement in their lives and their jobs. And you are such a perfect guest for that because I feel like there are probably so many of us out there who are wishing that we could do things more quickly more efficiently and and get back some of our time so what would be your advice to listeners at home other than than using scribe which we are absolutely recommending here for you today but other than using scribe what are some things that founders can do in their day to day everyday life to to make their experience more more efficient easier optimize what they're doing
0: when people talk about optimization i think that oftentimes think about it in bottom line terms, right? Which, it, which is like, okay, how do I make kind of small incremental tweaks? How can I do this particular task a little bit faster, a little more efficiently? Um, and, and there are certainly like a lot of things you can do there that, that will be helpful on the margin. The biggest unlock to me, if you think about, you know, the 50 hours a week, whatever you spend working is to go back to why do you do what you do? Why are you doing this? What what is it that you are uniquely good at? What is it that you enjoy doing? What is the impact that you are trying to have? And then look at how you spend your time. <laughs> and is it how much of that out of that 50 hours is actually aligned to the core special thing that you do um, versus just kind of everything else that comes along with it? And, you know, I'll give an example. Like as a, a founder, when we were back in the early days, you know, I, I would spend my day, everything between like, Thinking about the vision to talking to users to like taking out the trash in our office and dealing with the Wi-Fi provider when they showed up, right? And when you look at that, you say, "Okay, well, what? Those things are not equal. Those activities might take the same amount of time in my day, but they're not equal level of activities in terms of the the output and impact they're going to have." And so, when I think about optimization, there are so many different components and, and ways to to kind of think about it. But I always love to start with, "How do you spend as much?" Of your time, the largest percentage of your time focused on the things that are your special sauce, the things that are unique to you and what you're trying to achieve. And then how do you look at all the other stuff that fills your calendar and, and fills your time between the calendar? That actually ends up being a huge component of it, like the random Slack messages that come in, emails, all, all the kind of communication and collaboration stuff that that interrupts our day all day. And how do you try to bat as much of that away as possible? instead yeah. another way like if you are not 10x at a particular activity i would challenge whether you should actually be doing it right focus on the stuff that you're 10x at and then try to find ways to pull away everything else that isn't whether you reduce the scope of that role for yourself whether you delegate that to someone else or frankly whether you just decide that's a ball that you're going to drop sometimes that's okay too right yeah um and and that's really about driving like the top line of you know, how, how do you like massively improve your output and what you're achieving in a given week? And that's not just good for your company, your job, but it's great for you personally because now you're actually orienting around your why. Like, Why are you doing this? And now spend as much of your time in service of that why and not all this other stuff that comes
1: along with work. Right. And I mean, we're talking about efficiency and optimization. But the fact is, I think we all we're all aware that being a founder, it's it's not an easy journey. And if you're focusing on the things that you love and the things that you're good at, I feel like that burnout piece that we hear about so often, that's going to come fewer and further in between, because you're not doing those administrative tasks or the things that
0: don't bring you joy. Right? Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we talk so much about time management, and when when you say the word efficiency, like I bet a lot of people think, "Oh, yeah, I, I got to be better at time management. I got to create time blocks in my calendar, and you know, all that yeah. all that kind of stuff we've been yes. taught." And and that's good, like that's great. Lots of books have been written about that. Like some of them are worth reading, and, and those are things worth doing. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really like the the force multiplier or big unlock is when you manage your energy, because time is a finite resource, but energy is not. Energy is a renewable resource and that's what I mean when I said go back to your why because that's the thing that gives you the energy. And so if you can be orienting as much of your experience around the stuff that gives you energy, then you're going to be able to do and accomplish so much more. For sure.
1: Well, I, that that's a really really powerful statement and I, I would encourage our listeners at home to to consider that. You know, where where can you institute efficiency, which is a very hairy, very scary buzzword, but where can you where can you manage that introduce efficiency into your processes and the things that you're doing in order to be a better founder, in order to be a happier, more fulfilled founder. And and so yeah, I just I invite all of you to kind of think through that. Definitely check out subscribe for sure tell us about some of the challenges that you have experienced on your founder journey jennifer i'm I'm really interested because i you've created this fantastic product clearly you're very uh you know you're very intentional about what you want to do and the why behind it so i'm really curious to hear what were some of
0: the stumbling blocks along the way (laughs) <laughs> Lauren, I'm laughing because where, where do you want me to start? I mean, if <laughs> you're sure,
1: probably Andy. like 20 million, because there always are. Exactly.
0: What are some of the, what some of the big, bigger, meatier ones? That that was the thing I think that was like most liberating to me and even starting a company. I think if you had said to me, you know, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, hey, Jennifer, even 10 years, you're going to start a company. I probably would have laughed at you and said, not not anything I'm thinking about right now. Um, And then I spent a bunch of time with founders and, and we've already talked about like how I found them to just be really inspiring. But I also saw that absolutely no company when you are up close looks like it's just all up and to the right. Like, that That chart may look that way when the company IPOs and they write the, you know, they write the, the the founding story and it all sounds like it was sunshine and roses from the beginning and they knew exactly what they were doing and, you know, it all just kind of worked. Yeah, they and the they chart, all look
1: so like, fancy and I'm always like, I great and wish vintage. I could be that together and then I realized, like, we're all hot messes just trying to figure shit out.
0: <laughs> yeah, and, you know, I'll tell you, I've I've been there from the earliest days of, of what are now some of the, you know, iconic tech companies that have since gone public. Like, and I've, I've been there in the room when it was like the founder and his buddy, uh, you know, with uh, like, like a, yeah. a twinkle in their eye about what they were thinking. And, I, and I've seen the journey, and even the best companies, there are so many bumps, uncertainties, setbacks, nagging questions along the way. And so I, I found that to be incredibly liberating in, you know, starting a company myself and saying like, okay, you know, there's going to be like a bunch of open questions and difficulties. And the, the thing that really matters, the only thing that really matters is that you really care about what you're doing. Other people care about it too, i.e., your customers, and that you don't give up. And then you kind of sort out the rest along the way, right? Yeah. Um, and so that that's been the story from the beginning. You know, I remember when when we started Scribe and and I was like, okay, this is the this is the problem we're solving. This is likely what we're doing. We're gonna we're gonna go set this out with customers, and I'm building an MVP, right? And I had this, I had this plan. And I went around and uh, talked to a bunch of the founders who um, who had gotten to know who were, you know, many, many stages ahead. They were running, you know, 100% person 1000 people company at that point, many stages ahead of, of where we wanted to be at Scribe. And I asked them for advice. And they all said to me, like, it's great. You've got this plan. It's not going to work out this way, Jennifer. And I was like, no, no, I've done a lot of research. I've talked to so many customers. I've been thinking about this for a really long time. And they were like, we pivoted four times lost in the woods for four years before we got to this amazing company that you see now, right, you know, like great for you, if you figured it out from the beginning, I'm just telling you statistically you didn't <laughs> <laughs> um and and like of of course we didn't right of of course, we changed along the way, sure. the, the thing the thing that was like most important to me or or the the thing that you know got us to where we are is that we got something out in the world, yeah, and then we sort of we just said to people like what do you think? (laughs) Are you, are you using it or not? Right. And we sort of like sat there and and then looked like who's actually downloading this thing. What are they trying to do with it? And then we would call them and say, Hey, can you walk us through what we're doing? And and you learn a lot from just getting something really ugly and awful out in the world. We, um, I, I say ugly and awful because we just, uh, We just celebrated our um, our three year anniversary. I guess not a a bit ago. Now we celebrated our three year anniversary as a company, and we pulled up the first version of our product. Oh man! And everyone, (laughs) everyone who wasn't at the the company at the time. Yeah, if you're not embarrassed, Reed Hoffman is a great like. If you're if you're not embarrassed by your first product, <laughs> you spent too much time getting it out there. That's right. We did not right. spend too much time getting it out there.
1: Yeah, <laughs> um, we're all about MVPs here. I mean, the fact is, yeah. like your minimum viable product. Like sometimes you just need to get it out into the world, and sometimes your best feedback mechanisms are going to be that customer use experience, and the only way to do that is to launch it and get it into the hands of customers, right?
0: <laughs> exactly, and they'll and they will tell you. They'll well, tell you. Will. But they they're, care. They're,
1: they're mouthy little cusses
0: sometimes. <laughs> you, you will get, you will get feedback, and it is the most precious, valuable gift you could ask for as a founder. Oh, right. And it's all good feedback because it's a sign that they care enough to engage with you. So That's you're probably great. solving something they actually care about, right? And now you gotta just listen to what they're saying. For sure.
1: So so between the the MVP that you launched and now, what what is some of that feedback, customer feedback that you've actioned?
0: Um, oh gosh, there's been so much of it I mean our our first product that we released was uh, believe it or not not web enabled <laughs> It was. It was just I feel a desktop. Like that might be uh, a, a limitation. That's a pretty obvious one, right? Uh, it's it's everything from like really obvious stuff like that, you know, um, to uh, you know, very specific stuff. Hey, I'm trying to share this with clients in this particular way, and like, I'd love to understand: are they actually viewing it? Like, how did they engage with it? You know, what are the parts they're getting most tripped up on? Um, and so, you know, you you hear. Pretty the great thing about user feedback is if you're solving a problem for a core group of people that they really care about, you will start to hear consistencies pretty quickly, right? In terms of what they're building, the, the or what they're asking you build. The challenge is that you have to decide how much of that do you listen to, right? Um, versus have an opinion about the problem that you're solving and the best way to solve it, right? So I would say the thing you have to really listen for to customers is not what they're asking you for but why
1: that what, that is that is really fascinating to me and I'm going to drill down on that for a second cuz uh, so in my limited spare time sometimes I lead design thinking workshops And one Hmm. of the things that I always tell our attendees is look for the commonalities in the challenges that you're experiencing. Like when we're talking about defining the problem, when we're working in the brainstorming phase, where are you seeing things time and time again? Questions that are continually being asked, you know, solutions that keep popping up. And that's what you need to focus on, because the fact is. Sometimes the people who are giving you feedback, they might not completely understand your mission or exactly what you're trying to accomplish. And so you always have to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. But when you are open and receptive to that customer feedback, you're going to see trends and you're going to see you know, direct lines of interest and questions that people will ask you and suggestions that they'll make that you see them enough. You see them time and time again, and then that becomes actionable
0: insight, right? Absolutely, and it's it's really again the the why are you asking for this? There's this sort of famous Henry Fordism. And if you'd asked people what they wanted, they would have they would told
1: have you, you have co- They would have asked for faster horses. I see. I use that quote right. in my workshop. Such
0: a great one. When you say it, everyone sort of goes, "Oh." You know, huh. Had I
1: asked the people what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. Henry Ford brought us the car, which is a disruptive piece of technology, and that's where that's where you want to live. Like I feel like Scribe is disruptive. I I don't know if any other entities or organizations that are doing something similar. Uh, What's your competitive landscape like?
0: We compete against people doing it manually yeah, Uh, or not doing it at all. (laughs) That might actually be the bigger one. So
1: anyone would be the more common, like, "Ah, I don't have time for this, so I'm just not going to do it.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The people, anyone who has copy-pasted screenshots and written out a step-by-step guide in Word or Notion, whatever, like they see Scribe and they go, oh my God, why didn't I have this last month when I Game spent later. like an entire week just creating <laughs> this documentation, right? Um, the, the harder one is probably people are like, oh uh, yeah, I, I hop on Zooms with my clients or, you know, um, my team, they just kind of like figure it out, <laughs> right? Or I don't even yeah. have time to explain it to them. And so, it's like, it's the change management or the mindset piece of, you know, if we go back to the the car analogy, right back in the day when we had horses and you said to someone, well, what if you could travel, you know, across state lines in a couple hours? They would look at you and be like, well, I, no, that's not possible, right? And say, yeah, well, what, would imagine- that's not a thing that can happen. Yeah, like, but imagine the vacations you could take, right? Like, what would you do if all of a sudden, you know, travel was really, really easy? probably even a plane's a better analogy there, right? Like, what if you could visit any country in the world in under 12 hours? And, and like, it takes a little bit of time for people to now imagine... Well, oh, what would I actually do with that? And so with us, it's well what would you what could you do if you could instantly and automatically show anyone how to do any digital process at all and it took you no more time than just doing that process really quickly. Yeah. What if it was really easy to share then? What if it was really easy to update? And we spent a lot of time thinking about how we take friction down to nearly zero across all of those stages of explaining to someone how to do something. And that for some people is sort of an instant light bulb. And they're like, ah, I know what I would do, right? I would hire these people. I would, I would, uh, you know, I would send my clients like better training guides so they didn't call me and, and all these things. <laughs> and for other people, it takes a little more time, right? Where then they have to really think about it. Yeah.
1: No, I love that so much. And I and I have to tell you, Jennifer, I'm gonna I'm gonna brush my shoulders off for a minute because my SOP is my standard operating procedures. They were a thing of beauty. I'm actually very they proud of were. them. Uh, but that being said, I cannot imagine the hours that I could have gotten back had I been able to to dive down into a product like Scribe. That would have been it. Would have been transformational for me and my work. Because again, as we've said, kind of all throughout this this episode. Uh, The fact is, the gift of time, well, and the gift of energy. To your point, Mm -hmm. earlier points, like those, those are such powerful gifts, particularly for a founder or an entrepreneur. None of us have enough money, resources, time, staff. You know, we we never have enough, and so so getting back that gift would be such a game changer.
0: And usually, we think of it in terms of trade offs, right? Like I trade off time for quality. So okay, I'll spend less time on this, but that means I'm probably cutting some corners, or it's not gonna be as good, right? right? And I'm kind of scoping it down. And so what's really exciting when you use technology in the right ways, you get the and, which is, you know, our, our average user saves a couple hours a week. We have some power users who are literally saving like a couple days a week, if, if this is a yeah. big part of their job, right? And they're like, and I produce better documentation because unlike the peanut butter and jelly sandwich, where like, I forget a bunch of steps and it's really hard to remember everything like this thing is complete and automatic and it looks more beautiful than I could have made in my Microsoft word. Right. And so that to me is like the very exciting part of technology. And again, as someone who just kind of loves optimization, anytime you're able to find an and where it's not a trade-off, you get both. It just feels kind of like a, a life cheat. Right. You know. Yeah,
1: I I love that we're we're all about life hacks, and I and I just I think it's really important to acknowledge like we're we're talking about the use of Scribe, and we're talking about optimization and in, introducing efficiencies in the scope of being a founder and doing the work. But I also want to add that you know for those power users who are saving themselves days a week they could also probably spend more time with their families they could find a little bit more of that elusive work-life balance that we we all talk about so much but very few of us have and so so really you know the adoption of operational efficiency you know streamlining what you're doing but specifically the use of scribe uh it 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 really has the power to impact a lot uh, not just what you're doing, but who you are and who you surround yourself with, and I, I just I love that. So, so lots of implications there. Now, Jennifer, I'm going to ask you. Tell us what's what can you expect from Scribe in the future? Do you have anything big and exciting happening, or are you going to keep grinding away?
0: We um, we we continue to double down on this idea of how do we make it really easy to share what you know how to do with anyone with two clicks of your mouse. And um, we are investing a lot more in our product roadmap in particular of like, how do we take more friction out of that journey? How do we make it even easier to create a document? How do we make it even easier to share with someone? How do we make it so that when you don't even have to share it with someone, how do we make it so that information is you know seamlessly across a team? Imagine if you know your, your colleague, next time they have a question on how to do something, rather than pinging you and saying... Hey, Lauren, can you quick, we've all gotten these, right? Hey, can you show me how, hey, how do I again really quickly? Yeah. You know, you could send it's them never a scribe. <laughs> it's never actually quickly, right? right? And, you know, the interrupt cost, we don't, this is something we don't realize, but the time switching cost. there are psychological studies that say anytime you get an interruption, even it's just a Slack message and you quickly think about how to respond to it, you lose 20 minutes Right. because you got in to get back into the zone, back to that level of productivity that
1: you, you had achieved before the the interruption. And so it's not just that few minutes that it
0: took to to show the task. Right. Exactly. And so we think about, well, gosh, how could we avoid you even getting that interruption in the first place, Lauren? What if your colleague, your client, whomever, when they had that question, it was a really easy way that that it got surfaced to them automatically before they even asked you the question, right? And so can we even avoid the need for, for you to have to be involved at all? It's really this idea of like, how do we make your knowledge, the things you've figured out how to do, infinitely scalable, like software and media. That's, that's the magic of software and media, right? It's one to many. It's infinitely scalable. Right now, your knowledge is probably mostly one to one, right? Or one to a few, the, the people you happen to be teaching. Obviously, the knowledge you drop on this podcast, this is media. So this is like an amazing way you know, to get that kind of leverage. What if we could do that with all of the process knowledge that you have? Yeah, And so those are the kinds of things that we think about and invest in a lot in and have some really exciting things coming up on our product roadmap.
1: Well, I, I certainly cannot wait to see it. Uh, and I invite all of our listeners at home to follow Scribe and, and see, keep an eye out for those exciting things. Now, Jennifer, I'm going to ask you the human question. And in our pre-show prep, I always say the question has nothing to do with anything. It's a dumb question. Uh, but I lied to you because I'm going to ask you something. <laughs> That is related to our conversation, but I think it's still fun. And I'm going to say, as the as an as an efficiency and optimization expert, as someone who has uh, realized the power of reclaiming your time and regaining that that uh, that energy that we're talking about, what do you do? What, what are some of the things that you love to do with all of that extra time that you have?
0: So I I have a a son who's. Um... Uh, about to turn one. Um, And so for me, it is like a constant trade-off between work and doing the basic necessities that I need to be alive and be a functioning human and spending as much time with him as possible because he he just changes every single day. Oh, and that, so
1: like that's such a cute age too. So, <laughs>
0: so it's so much fun. It's yeah. so much fun. He's not he's not like yet talking back. We don't have any tantrums or emotions or any of this yeah, stuff the stuff that I see t- or years, the yeah, yeah. <laughs> years. Yeah. But he like he really processes the world and is aware of things around him. And it's just it's just a ton of fun. So Awesome. My why is like, I, I have two babies. I've got, you know, Scribe was my first baby and, and now my son is my second baby. And so it's all about how do I like manage my time and energy so I can show up for my two babies.
1: Oh my gosh. Well, I, I love that. And I have loved this conversation. I want to say, Jennifer, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. Thanks so much for having me. This was fun. Absolutely. And once again, friends, today's episode of Startup Hustle was sponsored by our friends over at Double. Double's remote executive assistants can help you with everything from email and calendar organization to expense reporting and database management, all things that I personally would benefit from. Like, I'm going to hop on with Double.com immediately, but... Find your perfect assistant today, head over to withdouble.com, use code HUSTLE22, and unlock 50% off your first month. Uh, That is exclusive to our Startup Hustle listeners. Even easier, click on the link in the show notes. While you're there, make sure that you hit that subscribe button so you never miss your daily dose of Startup Hustle. Thanks so much for joining us, and we will catch you on the flip side.
0: Startup Hustle's brought to you by fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. no do it do it, like we do it like we do it.